Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. Hello again. Today is March 23rd, 2019. Talk Cosmos second season. To start off and direct new energies, Talk Cosmos second season creates a new program concept identified as Cosmic Collaborations. The first Saturday program every archetypal month and today's Aries Cosmic Collaborations voices independent commentaries by me as host and two of the Aries scheduled guests on some area of each of our choosing of the Aries archetype. The Aries guests, along with myself, happen to collectively represent the four coastal corners of the United States. Top Cosmos host Sue Minahan, evolutionary-oriented astrologer, located in Seattle, Washington, Upper West Coast. March 30th, Dana Bernbach, certified evolutionary astrologer, incorporating Kabbalah's energetic letters, based in New York City, Upper East Coast. April 6th, Gemini Brett, shamanic astrologer decoding the mysteries of the celestial sky, based in San Francisco, California. Website, More Than Astrology, Upper West Coast. For Aries, Cosmic Collaborations, Gemini Brett is posting two audios since our last guest experienced conflicts. And so it'll begin with Gemini, then it'll go to Dana, and then back to Gemini. But for August, not August, scratch that, for April 13, Dr. Laura Tad, PhD, evolutionary astrologer, sociology degree, based in Chattanooga Hills, Georgia, completes the Lower East Coast four corners of this amazing beginning. Beginning the first Aries Cosmic Collaboration Talk, I'm Sue Rose Minahan, evolutionary-oriented astrologer in Seattle, Washington, Talk Cosmos host, and our website, talkcosmos.com, online radio show listen button at 1150KKNW. Three days ago on March 20th at 2.59 p.m. here in the Pacific Northwest, Seattle, Washington, the sun ingressed the Aries point of zero degrees, the equinox of equal light between day and night, to start the sun's new cycle around the zodiac. At the equinox point of time, the sun's balance point immediately shifts from the equal balance point to a percentage ratio of light to darkness. It alludes to the nature of the ever-evolving energies we experience living. The zodiac testifies the developmental evolution in many layers to describe our relationship to the cosmos. And astrology is a study of cycles that continue in a circular path, but that circular path becomes a spiral because our sun-solar system in the Milky Way moves northwards towards the distant star Vega. So the circle also physically moves onward, and life's experiences of these energies changing or in physical, emotional, mental, spiritual dimensions, nothing remains the same. Our experience in the physical has limits and our inner self connects 
with the all of Pisces that knows boundless infinity in some core part. Our view from Earth sees the sun-oriented cycle. As the 12th archetype of Pisces culminated, the cycle separates from Pisces to renew self-identification in the archetype of Aries, where our spark of life births a new identity experience. Aries' unique signature constituted by being the only elemental fire sign with cardinal modality. Cardinal energy initiates motion and action for the purpose of becoming. And why is that? To cut away from the past, start that culmination that, you know, started that culmination in Pisces. And to further ask why, to reinvent. Like one of my favorite cartoons, a fish crawling up onto the land, looks back at his buddy fish in the sea, peering up at him, and he says, it has nothing to do with evolution. I'm reinventing myself. So reinvent we do, because everything's energy. Energy's only constant being that energy changes all the time. One of three fire signs, Aries looks to the other two fire signs to choose what seed to guide and how to self-initiate the direction of the seed. First house, Aries, looks back to the previous fire sign, ninth house, Sagittarius, to select what belief patterns it will reshape into a meaningful potential vision relating to the expansive beyond. First house, Aries, looks ahead to the next fire sign of the fifth house, Leo, to aim towards what concentrated manifestation the seed might manifest for a creativity, a legacy, to fulfill that potential vision from the past ninth house Sagittarius for a renewed perspective. A legendary poem referred to as The Ones We've Been Waiting For speaks directly of now's the time to seed our own truth and direction for taking personal action. I researched to discover a coastal Indian elder, Shokosh, C-H-O-Q-U-O-S-H, Aoho'o, brought it from five Hopi elders in the village of Oraibi, that's O-R-A-I-B-I, Hopi Nation, in April of 93. Her name, Breast Feathers of the Eagle, as strength found in gentleness, and woman of gratitude was given to her by Shumash and Seneca elders, keepers of the western and eastern gates, and they instructed her to pass on their ancient stories in a wondrous dance. Shokosh emailed Matrix Masters to clarify only the Hopi Ten came from the five Hopi elders in the village of Aralbi Hopi Nation, April 93. And the helpful phrases, rather, that were afterwards are from elders, from Iroquois, Seneca, Polynesian, and others. She credited Uncle John Iroquois, elder, for the poem following the Hopi Ten. Her webpage site, for those that want to connect, is MendingSacredHoop.net. The ones we've been waiting for. You have been telling people that this is the 11th hour. Now you must go back and tell the people that this is the hour and there are things to be considered. What, no, where are you living? What are you doing? What are your relationships? Are you in right relation? Where is your water? Know your garden. 
It is time to speak your truth, create your community, be good to each other, and do not look outside yourself for the leader. This has been referred to as the Hopi Elders Prophecy that is part of this poem, the ones we've been waiting for. There is a river flowing now very fast. It is so great and swift that there are those who will be afraid, who will try to hold onto the shore. They are being torn apart and will suffer greatly. Know that the river has its destination. The elders say we must let go of the shore, push off into the middle of the river, and keep our heads above water. And I say, see who is there with you and celebrate. At this time in history, we are able to take nothing personally, least of all ourselves. For the moment we do, our spiritual growth and journey comes to a screeching halt. The time of the lone wolf is over. Gather yourselves Banish the word struggle from your attitude and vocabulary. All that we do now must be done in a sacred manner and in celebration. For we are the ones we have been waiting for. It certainly begins our initiation on many terms. And the Aries archetype directs our own destiny through crisis shifting our sense of self. And to find Aries in your chart, you can pull up your astrological natal chart for free on astro.com. And if your birth time's unknown, put in noon or choose the chart where the sun's on the first house, which is the ascendant. Look, see where Aries house sign is on your chart. Notice the location for Mars and its sign. Notice your planets in the sign of Aries, which houses they might be in, because depending on your birth time, two houses might include a sign. And you might note if you happen to have either Aries south or north lunar points. Those you have to add in later. However, let's look at Talk Cosmos Aries Solar Return Chart in synthesis to its natal chart, April 7th, 2018, last year and determine the developments that might energetically reinvent identity with the talk cosmos second season. And the talks might be well focused on these dimensions of self-discovery and soul growth and certainly might relate to your own. To forge new identity by deconditioning the limitations from the past psyche that no longer serve our deepest soul sustaining our authentic values of life. The self-identity focus evolves through discovering what belief patterns deeply nurture private emotional soul growth. Gaining awareness of intimate relationships exchange for what values, we ask, energetic tensions, which certainly happen in life and in this regard are some very strong squares. Seek truth beyond all material form to build a value system that operates to connect us in wholeness, heart, mind, body, spirit. Tension actually helps to recreate the directions. In fact, tensions this year seek truth beyond all material form and why to build a value system that operates to connect heart and mind, body and spirit. Another aspect is discovering through varied learning and information directions triggers a pragmatic spirituality that operates on a routine basis to further connect the privately sourced psyche 
to uncover what limitations, to build on the traditions that really serve our values. Shifting from defense to protection on personal emotional structures to energy forging new belief patterns that to embrace values, connecting heart, mind, body, and spirit to live again in wholeness. Chiron, the wounded healer and archetype, re-entered Aries February 18 for a significant seven to eight year cycle. And in the top Cosmos solar return chart, Chiron in Aries sextiles its ruler Mars, meaning they share a connective energy. Mars in Taurus, it focuses on values and self-reliance, influencing Aries energy to find and define that new identity. It all ties in. And realizing wounds, the energy of Aries and Chiron may promote to take steps to go forward to actions that actually instigate new experiences towards healing, or at least managing in a new framework. A very significant cycle, it involves many relationships. Aries is truly the start and initiation point on many terms. And there are a few quotes that might inspire you in your road to becoming, becoming self-initiated new identities. Rachel Carson, the American biologist, author of Silent Spring, writes, I am always more interested in what I am about to do than what I have already done. Rob Bell of Sex God, exploring the endless connections between sexuality and spirituality, definitely a part of the body, mind, and spirit. What we do comes out of who we believe we are. Steve Maraboli in Life, the Truth, and Being Free says, the universe doesn't give you what you ask for with your thoughts. It gives you what you demand with your actions. And last but not least is H. Jackson Brown Jr. P.S. I love you. 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the things you did. So throw off the bowlines, sail away from the safe harbor and catch the trade winds to your sails. Explore, dream, discover. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. We'll connect again with the next Cosmic Collaborations, which will be in Taurus. But that's another month from now. Thanks. That was your host of Talk Cosmos, Sue Rose Minahan, introducing the Aries archetype. And coming up next, you will hear from Gemini Brett, who will be speaking on April 6th. Salutations from space. This is storyteller Gemini Brett, and I'm excited and honored to once again talk cosmos with Sue. On Saturn's day, April 6th, the day after this year of 2019's Aries New Moon, where we will address Chiron, master or martyr, the wishes, the wounds, and the wisdom of the orphaned soul. We often speak about Chiron's deep wound, this serendipitous, synchronistic time where he dropped a poisoned arrow. That arrow tipped with the deadliest poison known, a poison that Chiron himself had taught his student Hercules to craft. 
from the blood of the hydra and this deadly poison mingled with the blood of this great centaur mentor who could not die for he was half immortal the son of saturn but half mortal son of philaira and so he could feel pain and did he ever excruciating endless a pain that could not be healed though chiron was the greatest healer known perhaps surpassed by his student Asclepius, who had been known to raise the dead, but Asclepius could not heal his teacher Chiron of this endless pain, which blossomed and blossomed. And they responded by bringing in so many modalities of healing we use today. Herbalism, acupuncture, <laughs> whatever it may be, everything I think sprouted from this wound in response, but none of this could heal Chiron. This pain expanded and blossomed further, and finally it brought in another new gift. The gift arrived because for the first time an immortal felt the pain of the human condition. This gift was called compassion, empathy. Chiron felt the torture of the broken heart, the inconsiderable pain of mother who loses child to war. This pain grew and grew, this compassion grew and grew until it was enough to embrace the one who was most tortured, and this was Prometheus. Prometheus, who had been chained to a lonely crag of the Caucasus to suffer the burning heat of day and the freezing cold of night for an eternity, or at least until he apologized for what he had done, which was to steal the light, steal fire, to bring to his creation humankind. He would not apologize, and his torture was increased. A eagle was sent every day to peck the liver from Prometheus's side, and at night it would regenerate so it could be pecked anew with the next sunrise. This torture for centuries. And one of the conditions for Prometheus's release, one that Zeus, I imagine, thought would never be answered, was that an immortal must choose to take his place. Chiron did. In this eternal suffering that his dropped arrow provoked, Chiron's compassion said, why should two of us suffer for eternity? And he told his half-brother Zeus, I will take Prometheus's place. Prometheus was released, but Chiron was not forced to take his place. Zeus honored this true empathy, this true compassion, which was something new. And rather than forcing Chiron to take the place in chains on that lonely crag of the Caucasus, Chiron instead was placed in the heavens as the constellation Cantaris, the centaur. These days we often see Chiron and the Sagittarius constellation, the archer, 
and horse legs have been drawn in to support this shift. And many suggest that the shift happened when, through the amazing astro mystery called precession, the constellation of Cantaris fell in the sky from the northern hemisphere view and was lost to the Greek eye. So that Chiron, who was so important, was repositioned at that time to Sagittarius. I cannot say for sure, but I can say that when we look to the stars of the centaur, we see that one of the legs is crooks that we now often call the Southern Cross. And that cross really is invoked when we honor the cusp where tropical Pisces becomes tropical Aries. In the time of year, March equinox, that is associated in the calendar systems with Easter and with the resurrection and with Christ on the cross. Before I go there, I will say that in a very interesting astro play, it is if now Chiron has taken Prometheus's place because Prometheus, this revolutionary, this eccentric, <laughs> and there's much more to say, is associated mythically by many with the planet Uranus. And I feel for very good reason. Now, while Uranus has recently ingressed Taurus and moved on from seven years of Aries play, Chiron has come into Aries to take Prometheus's place. And this cusp, that separates tropical Pisces from tropical Aries, we often say is the, begin the beginning of the tropical zodiac. Why? Why not start where Taurus becomes Gemini or Gemini becomes Cancer? Why is it such an active place when Prometheus or Uranus crossed that point on March 11th, 2011, there was a great tsunami that led to the nuclear reaction, the meltdown, Fukushima. I mean, Uranus, who is often associated with the freak accidents moving from the waters of Pisces to the fire of Aries, and there was that strange technological fire in the waters, all Uranian themes. So what might we see when Chiron takes Prometheus's place, as has recently occurred. Will Chiron give himself to Prometheus's suffering? What could that mean? And Chiron at this cross, in Chiron's own empathic, compassionate offering of himself, really seems to invoke the mysteries of martyrdom and perhaps the mysteries of Christ. 
certainly a name that arrives when we hear about crosses in modern time. Now there is a very important cross where Pisces becomes Aries. And I'm not speaking of the constellations, but rather of the tropical signs. They are very different things. Astronomers argue this is why astrology is nonsense, but they are ignoring the very true and beautiful astronomy of the tropical zodiac when they do. The tropical zodiac is a function of the cardinal directions which are defined by Earth's spin, leaning always north and south on the polar axis. And the northern pole always leans towards the cusp where tropical Gemini becomes Cancer. The southern pole always leans towards the cusp where tropical Sagittarius becomes Capricorn. East and West are much more particular. They're confined in a sense to the moment and the place. But if we consider East and West in their correlation to North and South and honor this as a respect of the whole, the center of our globe, we will find that this cusp that separates the tropical signs of Pisces and Aries is due east of the Earth's center. And this is why we begin the tropical zodiac with zero Aries, because that cusp is east, and east is the place of the rise of new beginnings. So what will we begin? with Chiron now at this beginning place. What healing will be done? Well, Sue and I will be getting into this on April 6th, the day after this year's Aries new moon. And I sure hope you will tune in to Talk Cosmos Radio. You just heard from Gemini Brett, who will be speaking on April 6th. At this time, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we have our next guest, Dana Birnbach. This is a cosmic collaboration from Talk Cosmos. While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We're currently in the period of Aries. By leaving a cycle based upon completion, the energy of Aries sparks initiation creating action to separate into a new cycle of life. It's a fire sign, which means it will involve great emotion. And because separation may create resistance, it also takes great courage to break away to new ways of becoming. Celebrate your star energy blessings. Schedule a natal astrology chart consultation with Talk Cosmos host, Sue Rose Minahan. You'll learn to better understand what personally fuels your soul's seed direction. Sue focuses on your questions to connect you into your unique heart's desire and your true soul path's birth essence, including a recording and a copy of your chart. Schedule by emailing info at talkcosmos.com. That's info at talkcosmos.com. Hi, this is Liz Machette astrologer, tarot, Reiki master teacher, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk 1150 AM, where we discuss the meaningfulness of our roots in the stars. 
Alternative Talk, 1150 on AM, 98.9 HD3 on HD, 1150kknw.com on the web. Welcome back to Talk Cosmos, and this week you're listening to a cosmic collaboration which brings together a shorter segment of each guest for each archetype. Now let's hear from our next speaker, Dana Bernbach, who will be on the program on March 30th. Greetings, everyone. Hello, this is Dana Bernbach coming to you from Talk Cosmos to explore the space between the signs, exploring that place called the cusp, the space between adjacent signs of the zodiac. And this time around, we are leaving the Piscean realm, Piscean endings, signifying the last sign of the zodiac, and have entered into a new phase. We are now status post the equinox in Aries. But how fitting that with Mercury, the planet of discussion, among other things, is retrograding through Pisces still, calling to us to return to the Piscean element, at least for a little while, to re-explore this domain. So we will deep dive here into the realm of the fish, returning to the cosmic womb, and then emerge into the new cycle with the first breath, like the first rites of spring is Aries here in the Northern Hemisphere. So bringing to you this space between the cusp where we explore this mysterious realm, bringing in seemingly disparate principles and exploring what connects them. Here we will tap into the foundational wisdom of Kabbalah using the following sources. Sefer Yetzirah, which is the book of formation, and Sefer Habahir, which is the book of illumination. And through the extrapolation of wisdom, of ancient wisdom from these texts, we can attempt to gain further insights into each sign, its meaning, by looking into this crossover realm. So here's the method. We will look at the Hebrew letter associated with a particular sign, and we, we will look at the sense that is associated with the sign. Each sign has a particular sense on a primal level that it's connected with, and much much understanding of the deeper meaning of the sign can be unearthed through through this principle as well. It asks us to know, experience, and feel the sign through the associated sense and or body part. In particular, the nerve that the particular zodiacal sign is associated with. And finally, we can look at the glyph that's associated with the sign and what kind of wisdom is carried within that. So, now looking at Pisces, the last sign of the zodiac, as you know, the twelfth sign, the water, 
infinite waters is what Pisces is associated with. This is the sign of complete receptivity and feeling state with psychic intuition. And Pisces is associated with the Hebrew letter Kuf. Now if you want to look up Kuf and you're Googling in English, you can Google K and a U and an F. In Hebrew, it's Kuf, Vav, and Pesofit. And it means monkey, actually. In the ancient Near Eastern languages, as in many, as in some of the ancient, of course, Far Eastern languages, each letter was an ideogram in and of itself, and Hebrew is no exception. So the letter Kuf actually stands for the word Kuf, which means monkey. And the associated sense of Pisces in Kabbalah is laughter, which is linked with money, with monkey. Laughter is the associated sense of Pisces. And it's also associated with sleep. And the part of the body that Pisces is associated with is actually the brainstem. So we have laughter and sleep, and we have the brainstem. The cerebellum and the medulla oblongata, these are structures within the brainstem. And the letter itself looks like this. The ideogram of Kuf looks like this. If you look at the picture, it starts, there's two lines. One is curved and one is straight. And the curve is actually the curve of the head from the top of the head, beginning at the forehead, across the crown, and then downward slant to the back of the head. And then within is a long vertical line depicting the spinal cord. So it signifies the subconscious aspect of the mind. That's what the brainstem is associated with. And why is this? Because this is the part of the brain that deals with all the autonomic functions that our body utilizes. Well, if not all, many, many, many. For instance, even as I'm speaking, I am not telling myself to keep breathing. Although, now I am. But you get the idea. When our souls leave our bodies during sleep and we travel to all kinds of realms, who knows where, parallel dimensions, star systems, other planets, it's the brainstem that keeps our body functioning. We keep breathing and our lungs continue to perform processes of gas exchange. Our heartbeat is still beating, our heart's pumping. And there are electrical current running through our heart that is intertwined with that process. All processing, much processing of complex cellular metabolism, which regulated by gas levels in the bloodstream, tensions of gases such as carbon dioxide and oxygen, these are some of the things that the brainstem is intricately involved with. Much of the electrolyte exchange and interactions, there's meeting points of electrolytes at cellular walls, opening and closing of the doors 
at the cellular wall and even within at different parts of the internal cell, handing over passwords and swapping swapping positions between salts, electrolytes, all have at their roots to some degree in brainstem. This is very complicated processing. The words that I've said just scratch the surface. And of course, we realize we don't consciously manage this. This is part of the cerebellum's programming. It's a deep unconscious processing. Therefore, it is associated with the subconscious realm too, like Pisces, because it's a pure, Pisces is a pure receptive state, like water, that receives in a very completely passive way, imprinting from creation all information, data, directions are poured through on this Piscean ocean, which is really the subconscious mind. In the ancient wisdom, Pisces is actually associated. It's called corporeal intelligence. That's the pathway. The wisdom of the corporeal, the body, the physical. How funny, right? Because we don't see Pisces as so physical. And yet, it's associated with this type of intelligence. Because the larger forces that are working through Pisces so perfectly because of its receptive nature, allowing for very complex corporeal processing and programming to occur. And so the sense of laughter, that complete release, is associated with the sign of Pisces, as is sleep. Complete release from control into the feeling state. So we have kuf, the brainstem, laughter, and sleep ending of the cycle of the soul's journey going back into the great cosmic room, womb, around the wheel of the great Galgal, that's the circle, the zodiac, which is also referred to by the Kabbalists as a womb, embarking on the final step, returning into the larger cosmos, back into the abyss, that's why Pisces is so often associated with such confusion because from the onset it's in a location in a certain realm before all the imprints of creation were placed in a space of a no-thingness. So with the ending of Pisces, then we start anew. We move into Aries, that next spot Next to Pisces, the subsequent place in the journey, marking the first step in a new cycle. And we're called upon to understand through the window, the letter Hay. Hay is a window, and it's a kind of a womb. It in and of itself is a kind of womb for giving birth to the new spirit. This is truly the incarnation of the soul into the realm of the zodiac and then back into our world. Hey looks sort of like kuf. Hey is actually a letter dalet with a vav next to it. So it's kind of like a kuf, but with a shorter line within. 
and Aries is associated with the forebrain, that embryonic structure that gives rise to the cerebrum and the cerebral cortex, the right and left hemispheres linked. It's associated with sight and speech, the ocular motor nerve that gives vision, that seeing principle through which discernment, differentiation, and categorization of wisdom occurs to bring about understanding. So from the complete surrender into the abyss, we are given birth to into the womb, into the womb of the zodiac and emerging as an individuating new breath of life, a delineated cause. This is truly the essence of Aries. That was Dana Birnbach speaking on March 30th. For the last segment of this cosmic collaboration, due to some last minute changes, you will hear from Gemini Brett once again, though for the final program for Aries on April 13th, you will be hearing from Laura Tad. Salutations from space. This is storyteller Gemini Brett, and I am excited and honored to once again talk cosmos with Sue. On Saturn's day, April 6th, the day after 2019's Aries New Moon, we will dance to the celestial tunes called Chiron, Master or Martyr, the wishes, the wounds, and the wisdom of the orphaned soul. If you know the tales of Chiron, then you know he chose through the birth of compassion and empathy sourced in endless pain. He chose to take the place of Prometheus. Astrologically, this is very much happening today. For Prometheus, and rightfully so, the revolutionary, the one who brought fire from the heavens to his creation, us, and this is technology, that Prometheus is associated with the planet Uranus, archetypally, astrologically. And Uranus has recently become Taurinus. When Sue and I last spoke, we really danced to those mysteries and got into this idea of what it is for this heavenly energy, the lightning bolt of Uranus to move into the earth sign of Taurus. And we journeyed into some strange places. I invite you to review in the Talk Cosmos archives because it's not something that I will speak about often, but I feel the deep wounds that are encoded in the catastrophobia of our DNA associated with such mysteries as the fall of Atlantis are ripe for review. And that this is a time where the collective soul is ready to transmute that poison into medicine for the sake of growth and truth. Chiron, master medicine man, master teacher, centaur, mentor, who himself was wounded not only through this 
serendipitous dropping of a poisoned arrow that led to his decision to give himself for the release of Prometheus, for why should the two of them suffer eternally? Chiron's original wound was that of the orphan soul. And that wound in so many ways exists in our collective amnesia, running away as fast as we can from the truth that is undeniable when we simply look at the stones of the master builders, like Stonehenge, Sasekoma, Yante Tambo, Yosirian, all over the globe, technology that we have not repeated left for us to review by master builders of antediluvian times before the great cataclysm. So there is a wound in the collective. And this wound in so many ways is referenced in the incarnation of spirit into matter, the miracle called you. The art of forgetting is entirely essential for spirit, the one, to reflect itself in its entirety, but as an expression of a unique soul. So it can have an individuated experience, or at least the appearance of an individuated experience here in matter. This is the way that spirit grows. The one itself cannot grow, for it is everything, and therefore is nothing. So the miracle of reflection of spirit through soul into matter offers the opportunity of growth. And the universe will never stop growing because of amazing miracles like you. This place, matter, is here for the growth of spirit. And this happens when we choose, and it is a choice, because we all have a celestial song, a birth chart, that's fate, but we can dance to that chart any way we choose, that's free will. And the status quo is not to dance at all, because dancing requires feeling, not thinking about our feelings, but true feeling. This is why the monkey suit comes equipped with a heart and why the earth can be so hard and so amazingly pleasurable. When we heal, because we feel, we know, and this is the gift of growth that we offer to the eternal expansion of the one only thing. These mysteries are tied to the ascendant of the nativity, the horizon of the east, the place of the rise, new beginnings. What's a better description of a birth? Though just as spirit descends into matter to lift spirit up, to help it grow, through this amazing reflection called soul, the heavens only rise in the east because earth falls in that 
direction. The Pisces-Aries cusp that Chiron has recently crossed to take Prometheus's place is like the ascendant for the entire Earth. This is the very real astronomy of the tropical zodiac that the astronomers ignore when they attack astrology by saying we're out of line for the constellations and signs are not aligned. The very real astronomy they are ignoring is that the tropical zodiac is not about the constellations. It is about, some say, the seasons. But given the truth that it works for both hemispheres despite seasonal opposition, we find if we explore that the tropical zodiac actually is a result of the same phenomena the seasons result from. And this is the Earth technology called the cardinal directions. Indigenous traditions of high medicine from all corners of the globe in space and time are tuned to the powers of these directions. And when we honor the truth that this is the origin of the tropical zodiac, we see that this connection to the directions is not strange to Western philosophy. The northern axis of Earth, our North Pole, is always leaning, always leaning towards the cusp of tropical Gemini and Cancer. The southern axis of Earth, spin axis, is always leaning to the tropical cusp of Sagittarius and Capricorn. East and west is a little trickier because, of course, the Earth spins once in a day, the primary motion. And so it very much depends on where you are on Earth to know what sign is rising at that time. But if we look from the center of the Earth, then east and west are specific directions from north and south, which are defined by the rotational axis. And the eastern direction finds this cusp that separates tropical Pisces from tropical Aries. Astronomically, this cusp meets the intersection of two very important planes. One plane is the plane of our spin, and this is called the celestial equator. And the other plane is that of our orbit, and this is called the ecliptic. So these are the planes of day and year. And they meet in the east at this point that we call zero Aries. This is the astronomy of the tropical zodiac, and this is why we begin the zodiac there because the east is the direction of the rise, new beginnings. And this eastern point moves slowly through the constellations over a long cycle that is typically called the precession of the equinoxes. It's about 26,000 years. We are currently pointing at this east point to the constellation of Pisces. And so it is known that we are in the age of Pisces. And the shift happened around the birth of Christ who said he was the sun. 
with 12 disciples. These we call the signs. So I hope Sue and I will also have time to explore not only the martyrdom of Chiron, but also how that story relates to Christ on the cross, which is this place where the sun comes just around Easter time, the resurrection. So tune in to Talk Cosmos on April 6th, the day after Aries new moon for astro mysteries and exploration. This is host Sue Rose Minahan for Talk Cosmos second season. And I'm thanking you so deeply for your interest in the Aries cosmic collaboration where we initiated our second season. Announcing next week's guest on March 30th is Dana Bernbach from New York. She's a certified evolutionary astrologer, an avid student of Kabbalah's 22 letters. Dana and I, we're going to begin a monthly talk involving the archetype for that month and the sacred letter, which energy relates insightfully towards understanding a depth of that archetype's significance. So this will be the first of a series. Gemini Brett, San Francisco, California, shamanic astrologer, joins April 6th, speaking of Chiron's entry into Aries. And Laura Tad, PhD, evolutionary astrologer from Chattanooga Hills, Georgia, joins April 13th to conclude the Aries archetype. Remember, always available online to hear the talks live with the listen button on both the radio station's site, which is 1150kknw.com, or their app for the phone and the tablets, which is KKNWAM. And as a minor note, but perhaps significant, is that Washington State, where this is being broadcasted, has just recently voted no more time change. We're going Pacific Daylight Time from now on. Perhaps the whole West Coast will, but that's the story for us right now. Remember also that every audio archives, every complete schedule from the beginning of April 7th, 2018 until the present and going forward, and all the guests' information with their bios and their webpage sites, contact information, it's all on our home webpage site, and that's talkcosmos.com. If you have any comments, it also allows you to have comments. It's, it would be great to connect more, and I have ideas of how we're going to reach and connect more. But from my deepest heart, I thank you. Here's celebrating your spark of life. Ignite. Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.